All right, Shabbosai, good morning. Let us begin. Begin by thanking all of our incredible sponsors for this morning share. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Tishrei, Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah and Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina, and Eve in loving memory of their husband, father, and Zayda, Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshe, Ben Avram, David, in commemoration of his second yard site. To thank Ayala and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month from the Schuss of Rafu Shlemer for Shulamis Bas Susha. And Adam Yudit Benzev for dedicating the Shurim this month from the Schuss of all of our Tfilos being this Kabel. Our week of learning sponsors, Hilary Jacobson Kent and Akiva Kent in memory of Mordechai Menashe Ben Shmaryo. Nathan and Beth Adler for dedicating the Shurim this week in memory of Ben Adler. Hachaver Baruch Moshe Ben Mariam Rab Nassim. Said and Simahakin for dedicating the week of learning for the Fuah Shalima of their granddaughter, Talia Miriam Bas Arli Yehudis. Our day of learning sponsors, Matt and Diane Marks in memory of Golda Rachel Bas Ilana, beloved mother of Sarah Bloch. Judy and Joel Pomerantz in honor of the entire Kehillah for providing so many wonderful opportunities for Talmud Torah. Wishing everyone a Gemar Chasimotova. We thank all of our sponsors for their generosity. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshama Slav and Aliyah, the families of Nechama, and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. And we'll see with that, let us begin with a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Pavov 86. We are picking up on Pehemah Days 85B, 22 lines up from the bottom. Sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's not, it goes quickly. <laughs> says the Gemara, both says, let's go back to Ahuda Afgid Metachso Beirav Dini Achua Durav Safra. So there was a guy who deposited Metachso, Rashi says, is Lavush Meshi, a silk garment. He deposited a silk garment in the home of Ravdimi. So what happened? Shaka Ravdimi Valo Pakit. Rav Dimi, went, Rav Dimi passed away, and he did not leave instructions to his household. Meaning, Rav Dimi passed away, and Halach again, no, no one knew the status of this silk garment. So what happened? So they came before Rabbi Abba, so must remember again. So someone shows up, someone shows up claiming to be the owner of the silk garment. Meanwhile, the Yarshim of Rav Dimi say, listen, maybe it belonged to our father. So they come, so they come to Bezdin. They come before, they come before Rabbi Abba. Amaluhu, chadadi adana beid Rabdimi de lo Number one, I know Rabdimi did not have money, so it would have been strange for him to have a garment like this. So number one, I don't, I don't think that this was his garment. Va'od ha'kayayv simna. Furthermore, again, this guy showing up and claiming to be the owner of the silk garment is providing a simon. He's providing an identifying mark, indicating that he is truly the owner of the silken garment. Velo Amran. And this idea that a simon is meaningful is only true when Ella Delo Ragil Da'ayl If this guy wasn't the guy who was commonly in and out of Rav Dimi's home. But if again this person would have been someone ultimately again who was in and out of Rav Dimi's home, then ultimately again the Gemara says, the Ema Inish Achrina Afkid, the Il Mechsechaza. Perhaps again Halacha he was not truly the owner of this item. He just happened to see the item lying around and therefore was able to give the simon. Good. Beautiful. We'll say another interesting case. A guy goes ahead and before he passes away, he makes a statement, I'm leaving all of my property to Tovia. Okay. What happens? Shachiv. He dies. We'll call him Ruvain. Ruvain, right? Ruvain, before he dies, says, all my property is being left to Tovia. 
Ruvain dies. Shachiv. Asa Tovya. Tovya shows up. Tovya shows up. They're both saying, a guy shows up, takes out his driver's license, it says Tovya. Fantastic. No one knows this guy from Adam or from Tovya, right? No, no one knows him. So now he's claiming he's Tovya. Ruvain died. Ruvain said, I left my property to Tovya. So the Gemara says, Amar Abiyochanan, Hari Batovya. Ultimately, I get it. Okay, Rabbi Yochanan said, so what are you going to do? Tuvia showed up, right? Tuvia showed up. Ruvain left his property to Tuvia. What more is there to say? Amar Tuvia va asaraf Tuvia. So we'll say, what happens if Ruvain, before he died, said, I left my property to Tuvia? A guy shows up whose name is Rav to- Rabbi Tuvia. Rabbi Tuvia. So now the Shaila is, is this the Tuvia or not? So Amar Le. Amar Le Rav. So the Gemara says, so I say, look, that's not the guy. That's not the guy. Ruvain said that he left his property to Tovia, not to Rabbi Tovia. However, so I say, it's interesting. However, if ultimately again the guy who shows up, Rav Tovia, is a someone who someone who Ruvain was very friendly with. So maybe he was so close to them he didn't call him Rabbi Tovia, just called him Tovia. Then Enochinami, this could be the guy. Tovia. What happens if two guys named Tovia show up? Okay, so now we're getting. Oh, so, yeah. So two guys. Two guys so it happens to be Moshe in all of these cases, but we'll get through a bit more Gemara before we get into it. So two guys named Tovia show up. Now, what's here is what's interesting. One guy is a Shachin. One guy is a Talmud Chacham. Right. So two Tovia show up. One is the neighbor Tovia. One is a Talmud Chacham named Tovia. So we'll see now. Here's the problem. Ruvain left his property to Tuvia. What did, he, what did he not indicate? What did he not indicate? Which Tuvia? So now I've got a neighbor Tuvia, a Tamut Chacham Tuvia. Who gets the property? Tamut Chacham Kodem. Ultimately, again, a Tamut Chacham, a Tamut Chacham takes precedence ultimately over a neighbor. In other words, what do you mean takes precedence? We assume that Ruvain would have sooner left his property to a Tamut Chacham than to just stam a neighbor, right? Concept ultimately, again, of being mahana, of allowing the benefit from your property is an incredible schos for us. So therefore, again, we assume he would have left it to the Talmud Chacham. Okay, listen to this. Karov Talmud Chacham. So what happens if there are two Tovias, two, two Tovias show up, one is a relative of Ruvain, and one is a Talmud Chacham with whom Ruvain had an association. So who do we assume he left the property to? Talmud Chacham Kodem. Ultimately, again, the Talmud Chacham takes precedence. I will say, again, just to understand, why does Talmud Chacham take precedence? That's because Chazal speak about the incredible zechos of being mahane, of allowing the Talmud Chacham to benefit from one's property. Right? If one has a hand in the support of a Talmud Chacham, so one shares in the schar, in the reward of the Talmud Torah, of the learning of that Talmud Chacham. So we assume that if Ruvain, right, Ruvain says he's leaving his property to Tuvia, and again, one of the Tuvias who shows up is a Talmud Chacham, then Enoch it makes sense because Ruvain would want that zechus in Olam Haba of supporting a Talmud Chacham. Good. Supposed to listen to this. What happens if two Tuvias show up? One is a neighbor, one is a relative, right? Who, who takes precedence? What's this incredible Gemara? So Tashma, Tov, Shachin, Karov, Me'ach, Rachok. So what's the Gemara quotes the Pasuk in Mishlei that says a close neighbor is better than a distant brother. Close neighbor is better than a distant brother. So meaning that sometimes, sometimes people have close relationships with their neighbors 
than they have with their own family. So also talking about the power of positive influence, how important it is. It's wonderful to have, a, to, to have close relatives, but if your relatives are not in close geographic proximity, better to have a, a, a neighbor who has a positive hashibah. And you're able to say, sometimes we think that the only thing I need to be successful in life is personal fortitude and that I am oblivious to my surroundings, right? What happens around me, people think this, and it's, I could divorce myself from what's around me. I could be around negative people. I could be around toxic circumstances. I could expose myself ultimately again to, to religiously detrimental influences, and it's not gonna impact me. And there's nothing further from the truth. We are impacted by the people we associate with, by the circumstances we allow ourselves to be in, by the influences that surround us each and every day. So Shalom Aleph says, Better to have a close neighbor than a distant brother because your neighbor is someone who influences you daily. The brother is different. It's wonderful. I love him, but he's far away. Both say, what happens if two tuvias show up? But in this case, again, both tuvias are relatives. Both tuvias are neighbors. Both tuvias are tamidi chachamim. So we'll say, so again, we've established a hierarchy for which tuvia we assume that Reuven was talking about. What happens if two tuvias show up and what? They're on the same, they're on the, quote-unquote, have the same halachic standing. In that case, shuda dedani. I will say shuda dedani means judicial assessment. In other words, sometimes I will say in halacha, the, the legal framework can't give you absolute clarity, and it is up to judicial discretion to determine what, who we think Ruvain really was referring to. Good. Amalid Rav Lebrei, Lebrei Rav Chiyabar Avin. So let's listen to this. So Rav said to the son of Rav Chiyabar Avin, so we'll say so beautiful. So here you have Rava talking to the son of Rav Chiyabar Avin, and he says to him, let me tell you something beautiful that your father, that your father, Rav Chiyabar Avin used to say. It's actually a fascinating case. Shmuel said, if a person sells a loan document to someone else, and then he goes in and forgives the debt, Machos. Well, so let me illustrate this to you for just a moment. Imagine for a second, imagine for a second that Ruven went ahead and Ruven sold a loan document to Here, let's say like this. Ruven lent, Ruven lent $1,000 to Shimon. Okay, so Ruven's holding a document, right? Ruven's holding a document. Now Ruven goes ahead and sells that document to Levi, right? Now Levi is in possession of the document, which means what? Which means what? Levi has the power of collection. So now we're to listen to this. So Shmuel said, so Shmuel said, so Shmuel said, that even after Reuven sells the document, Reuven has the ability to forgive it. So now, even though again, Shimon bought the document from Reuven, Reuven could still forgive the debt and thereby rendering the document that Shimon is holding is what? What? Meaningless. Meaningless. So the Gemara says, so first of all, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says over here, Now, what's the reason for this? The reason for this is because, understand, a loan, a loan is a relationship. So, I'm sorry, you know what? I mixed up the names. I mixed up the names. I'm sorry. Right? So, once again, Reuben lent money to Shimon. Reuben lent money to Shimon. Right? $1,000. Reuben now takes, so Reuben's holding a debt. Reuben's holding a document. Right? Reuben t- sells the loan to Levi. To Levi. So Levi buys the loan, which means now Levi has the right to collect the debt from Shimon. After selling the loan, Reuven forgives the debt. Shmuel says, now obviously Reuven shouldn't do that, but he did it. 
right? Shmuel says it works. It works. So now, now Levi is holding a meaningless piece of paper. So now Levi comes to Shimon and says, okay, I bought the loan. Shimon says, sorry, I owe you nothing. Ruling, the original lender, forgave the debt. Now, why is that? So Shmuel is very similar to him because a loan is a relationship. And it's a relationship between two parties, a lender and a borrower. So technically, although Ruvain has the right to assign collection to someone else, that new collector, in this case, Levi, has no relationship with who? With who? With the borrower, Shimon. So therefore, technically speaking, technically speaking, right? So, so Shimon has nothing to do with Levi. So because Shimon has nothing to do with Levi, and, that is re- and the loan is really the nature of a relationship, even though Ruvain sold it, Ruvain still retains the power of forgiveness. Good. Now, I'll say, I will point out what we're not dealing with over here is what legal recourse Levi has against Ruvain afterwards. Okay, that's, that's, that's a different discussion. Not only that, Shmuel also brings down Vafilu Yoresh. Let's say now Ruvain dies. Ruvain dies. And Ruvain leaves behind the son. Just in order not to make this more complicated, we're just going to call him Ruvain Jr. Right? So now Ruvain Jr. also has the ability to forgive the debt. Right? Why? Because remember, again, when Ruvain dies, what does Ruvain Jr. inherit? His father's assets. Part of it. So interestingly enough, part of that estate is that relationship as a lender that Ruvain had with Shimon. Okay, it's interesting. So the says, There is one exception to this rule. Let's say Ruvain marries Rachel, Ruvain marries Rachel, and Rachel brings into the marriage a debt, not that she owes, but that's owed to her. She's a lender. She's a lender. So now what happens? So now... Rachel happened to have lent Shimon money. She brings in that note into the marriage and she decides that she wants to forgive the debt. That case, she doesn't have the right to do so. Why? Because once she brings that debt into the marriage, ultimately, again, Ruvain, her husband, also has rights in that debt. So she can't forgive it, ultimately, again, without his consent. Okay, incredible. Let's go back to So, Krivese, Rav Nachman, Zavina, so let's listen to this. A relative of Rav Nachman, a woman, a relative of Rav Nachman, went ahead and sold her ksuva for tovas hana. Now look at Rashi. Zivinta l'ksuvasa, machra shibut ksuvasa la'achirim ba'ol l'tachas ba'ila. So we'll say, now we've actually touched on this before, but a woman could sell her ksuva. Now what does it mean when a woman sells her ksuva? What is she doing? What is she, what is she selling? She's selling a future. Right? She's selling a future right. A future. Now remember again, that ksuva may be worth something or may be worth nothing, right? When is it worth something? When is it worth something? It's worth something in the event that husband dies or divorces. It's worth nothing in the event that wife predeceases her husband, right? Because if wife predeceases her husband, there's no, there's no ksuva payout. So essentially what you're going to do is you're going to buy this ksuva right at a discount. No, no one's paying full, full ksuva pay, face value. Right? Because Lamaisa, because first of all, we're Jewish, never pay full value for anything, right? But I'm just saying, but, but in addition to that, remember again, you may or may not collect that ksuba. So listen to this case. So a relative of Rav Nachman, a female relative of Rav Nachman, sold her ksuba. Bitovas hanno. So we'll say, Igarsha, so listen to this, she went ahead and she got divorced, right? Ushkiva, and then she died. And then she died. Now we'll say, there, there's a bit more su- subtext to this over here. 
So what ended up happening, Rebbe Osei, is as follows. So, okay, so, so she, so, she sold her ksuva, right, and then she died. Now what happens? So, asu katavile lebarta. This woman, this woman left behind a daughter who was the sole inheritor. Now, creditors came to the daughter. What's happening here? Take a look at Rashi. Last Rashi in that. Asu tavile lebarte, asu lekuchos, vikatavile lebarta, haba ligvos ksuvas, ksuvas ima, meaviha, so now, what happened? What happened? So now, here's what occurred. Here's what occurred. So, we'll call her Rachel, right? Rachel is, Rachel is the relative of Rav Nachman. She sold her ksuva. She sold her ksuva. Subsequently, what happened? She was divorced. She got divorced. Right? And so therefore, again, because she got divorced, there was a ksuva that was collectible. Right? And then she died. Then she died. Leaving behind a daughter, a sole heir. After Rachel dies, creditors show up. Who are the creditors? The people who bought her ksuva. Right? And now those creditors want that they now, remember again, before Rachel died, she got divorced, which means there was a ksuva payout. So now again, now she died. So they come to her daughter, the inheritor for her estate, and they say, listen, we bought your mother's ksuva. She was divorced before she died. We want to pay out. We want to pay out. So I said, so what happened? I'm Rav Nachman. So Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says to the daughter, Leka de lespala itza. Is there no one who's going to help out this daughter? Right? The Yoreshes, the inheritor, to give her proper legal counsel. What could she do? I'm say some estate planning, top of payvav. Tezel v'techle l'ksuvasa di ima l'gabe avua. samine. Here's what this girl should do. Rabbi says, actually an interesting answer. Here's what she should do. She should forgive, now remember again, so now the girl is the sole inheritor of her mother, which means she inherited the ksuva. Who is the ksuva payable from? Who is it payable from? From her father, right? Now again, remember, we're assuming right now that this girl is the product of Rachel and her ex-husband. So now this girl is the sole inheritor of both her mother and her father. Rav Nachman says, very simple, Eitzah, let her forgive the ksuva to her father. Right? Even though the father now owes her the ksuva, so to speak, let her forgive that towards his estate. Aye, but she's losing the money. She's not losing the money. What is she doing? She's deferring the money. Because it was say she's the sole inheritor of her father also. Which means that what? When he dies, who's getting the money? She's getting the money. But if she forgives the ksuva now, again, I will say, based on what we said before, you could forgive a debt even if it's been assigned to someone else. Let her forgive the ksuva, thereby negating the claim of the creditors. It, she won't get the payment now, but Lamaisa, it'll roll back into the estate. And when her father dies, she'll get paid out from the father's estate. It's a great, it's a fantastic piece of estate planning. So again, I will say, very simply, just one more time, one more time, right? Rachel, Rachel, Salter Ksuva, Futurite Ksuva. Rachel dies. I'm sorry, Rachel gets divorced. Ksuva's payable. Ksuva's payable. Rachel dies, leaving behind one daughter. Rachel is married to Reuven, leaving behind one daughter. After Rachel's death, after Rachel's death, the creditors, who are the creditors? Credit, no, 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 it's the people who Rachel sold the ksuva to come to Rachel's daughter to collect the ksuva. So comes along, comes along Nachman, Nachman and says, let's give this girl a piece of estate planning. Tell her to forgive the ksuva. Remember, that's a debt. The ksuva is a debt owed by her father to her now. And what does Shmuel say? When someone owes you money, even if you assign that debt to someone else, you can still be mochal the debt. So let her forgive the debt to her father's estate. Ksuva rolls back into the father's estate. She'll get nothing now. But as a sole inheritor of the father, she'll inherit everything when the father dies. And what does it do? It gets the creditors off her back. 
gets the creditors offer back. Great Asa, to which the Gemara says, so she listened to the advice. She went ahead and she was mochelas the ksuva and ultimately got the creditors offer back. Incredible. Amr Nachman, so I'll say this is such an incredible statement. Rav Nachman says, We made ourselves like lawyers. Like lawyers. Right? And I will say, that's an insult. Right? That's an insult. Now, now what, what does that mean? What does that mean? It's the job of a lawyer to advocate for their client. Now, sometimes, sometimes, unfortunately, the lawyer ignores the truth, right? Because the truth or the right thing to do is kind of obscured by the obligation they have towards their client, right? Again, this, this, is, this, is, the, this is the tricky piece sometimes that, that, that a lawyer could be in. There is the truth, and then ultimately, again, there's what's best for my client. Or I should, I should even say the truth. There's what's right, and then there's what's right for my client, and sometimes those two things don't necessarily line up, which is why sometimes, again, it's difficult to be in that position. Rav Nachman said, I realized that what I just did is I gave this girl, right, who's his relative, a good piece of advice that was good for her. But that same piece of advice did what? Was detrimental to someone else. So Rav Nachman was very upset in that he put himself in that situation. So the Gemara said, Mei kara my sarva. So why did he do it? Well, the my sarva. Then why did he regret it? In the beginning of us, he thought to himself, listen, this is my relative. This girl's my relative. And now, by the way, she lost her mother. I have an obligation to help her out. Literally, again, from your own flesh, do not turn away. There's an obligation to help out your relatives. But at the end, what did he realize? Adam Chashav Shaini. I will say, this is actually, Adam Chashav, an important person is different. I will say, so what Rav Nachman is really highlighting here is something very profound, which is that sometimes, sometimes when a person is an individual, they have a right to put their family's needs before others. Sometimes when a person has the responsibility of communal leadership, ultimately they don't have that right. And they don't have the right to put their family's needs before others. And sometimes they have to think about the community and the impact of their decisions on the community even before their own family, which is such an incredible yisot. So comes along Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman says, people look at me and they learn from my behaviors. And what I do, they assume that whatever I do is correct, is yashar, is appropriate. And they're going to learn from my actions what to do. And what I just did essentially is manipulated a legal loophole, again, totally legal, totally legal, for the benefit of my own relative. Is this the right thing to do? You're depriving someone else of something. It's legal. Is you know, sometimes things are legal. It doesn't mean that they're right. So ultimately, again, he was supposed to say, so really a profound, profound gemara, because the truth is every person is an Adam Chashev, right? Each of us is an important person. And how careful we have to be in life to make sure that our actions are not only legal, right? But they're right. Because Baruch says, do that which is correct and that which is good. Because sometimes that which is correct may not be that which is good. Right? That's why it says, Hayosher Make sure, number one, what you're doing is legal. After you've threshed, after you've threshed, after you've crossed the threshold of legality, making sure everything you're doing is legal, is correct, then make sure it's also tov. Make sure it's also good. Incredible. So, Gufa Amr Machlo, Machl. So, we said before Shmuel said, you sell a debt, right? Ruvain sell, right? Ruvain lent money to Shimon and then sells the debt to Levi. And then afterwards, again, Ruvain forgives the debt. The forgiveness works. Not only that, when Ruvain dies and Ruvain Jr. now has the ability to go ahead and forgive the debt as well. Therefore, again, it's good Eitzah. Therefore, the Gemara says, if the purchaser, i.e. Levi, 
is a smart guy, what will he do? Fascinating. If Levi is a smart guy, the moment he purchases this debt from Ruvain, what will he do? What will he do? He'll go to Shimon and he'll say, Shimon, listen, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to forgive some amount of the debt or pay you some money. Let's redraft this document as an agreement between me and you. And therefore, remove Ruvain from the picture so that neither Ruvain nor Ruvain Jr. have any ability of Mechila. So again, it's going to cost Levi a little bit of money, but he ensures that his debt will always be collectible. Incredible. Amra Meymar, man didoin dina digarmi. Supposed to listen to this. There's a concept of dina digarmi. Now, we're not going to get into grama versus garmi, bless you. But again, what it means is like this. Indirect damages. There's direct damages. What are direct damages? I go over to you and I break your arm. That's pretty direct. That's pretty direct, right? Then there's indirect damages, which we'll say, what's a good case of indirect damages? Ruvain sells a loan to, to, to Levi. Ruvain lends money to Shimon, goes ahead and makes a loan to Levi. And then what does Ruvain do? Ruvain, right, Ruvain decides, you know what? It's, it's a Tzarsim Yitzhuvah. He's, he's, he's really like in the groove of Mechila, right? He's being mochel, everyone. And he decides, you know what? Shimon, I'm mochel the debt. Beautiful, right? Beautiful, beautiful. It's always easier to do mechila when it's on someone else's cheshman. Right, so, so ultimately, again, he's mochal the debt. So I will say, now what has Ruvain done? What has Ruvain done? He's damaged Levi. Now, is that direct damages? No, it's indirect damages. So I will say, so therefore, again, interestingly enough, so the one who holds you liable for Dina Degami, Magbi Bey, I'm sorry, Magbi Bey, Demeshtaramalyo, ultimately, again, then Levi, will have a claim against Ruvain for the full for the full value of the loan or whatever the purchase price was. But the ones who don't hold you liable for indirect damages. The most, the most ultimately again, that Levi, the claim that Levi has against Ruvain is what? The value of the paper. The value of the paper. Okay? So the Gemara says as follows. We'll say this once happened. And ultimately, again, Raphram forced Ravashi to repay the full value like a person who uses a beam ultimately, again, for images. So we'll say that's an expression Rashi points out over here. We'll say when a person purchases a beam of wood in order to make engravings, they make sure that the beam is exact. So too, ultimately, so, so Raphram forced Ravashi in this kind of case, where apparently Ravashi was the one who, after selling the debt, forgave it, he forced him to go ahead and pay full damages. Okay? Amra Meymar, Mishmeh Rabbi Chamo. Hi, man. Hi, man. And we'll say, that's how we paskin, by the way. That if you go at, although, although in this case, Ruben, after selling the debt to Levi, does have the ability to forgive the debt, he does have the right, were he to forgive the debt, would be, would be chayif, full damages to Levi for having forgiven the debt. Okay? So, Amra, Amra, Amra Meymar, Mishmeh Rabbi Chamo. Hi, man. Deika Aleik Subas Isha. What's an interesting case? Let's say a man, we'll call him Ruvain, right? Ruvain has two obligations upon him, a ksuva towards his wife and a creditor. So, we'll say, so let's say again, Ruvain's married to Rachel, Ruvain gets divorced. And I will say, also, Ruvain also borrowed money from Shimon. So now Ruvain has two people knocking on his door, his wife for a ksuva, and ultimately again, Shimon for, for, to repay the loan. Now he happens to have real estate and he has money, so who gets what? So the Gemara says, 
So to the, to the creditor, you pay money. And to a woman, you pay real estate. You pay real estate. So the Gemara says, Each one goes ahead and ultimately, again, gets what is coming to them. And as we both say, because generally, a loan is repaid with money, right? With cash. And exuva ultimately, again, is a lien against all property. So again, even though exuva could also be paid out with cash, Generally, again, because of the nature of it, of the lien, makes sense to pay it out with real property as well. So the Gemara will say, what happens if Ruvit only has one piece of real estate? And that one piece of real estate is only what? Is only what? Is only, right, can only satisfy either ksuva or debt. So what's Talacha? So the Gemara says, we give it to the we give it to the creditor. We don't give it to the woman, which was which is fascinating. Why? My taima yoser mimasha ish rotzelisa isha rotzelinasa because more than a man wants to get married, a woman wants to get married. As well say, which is really quite. What, what what does that mean? We're not concerned that a woman is going to abstain from getting married because she knows that she may not get paid when there's only enough property for one creditor. As well say, what we are concerned about is. People won't lend money if they're not what? If they're not what? If they're not assured of some type of repairs. Remember again, in general, Jewish lending is already not a financially advantageous endeavor because you can't charge interest. Right? So, so already by definition, again, I'm already lending as a form of tzedakah. I'm leaving aside a heteriska, but again, I'm, I'm generally... So again, the only way a person is going to lend is if they know they're guaranteed of some level of repayment. So therefore, again, the Gemara says, if you only have a choice between paying off your credit or paying the ksuva, ultimately pay the creditor. Now again, to be clear, because we're not, we are afraid people won't lend money. We're not afraid people aren't going to get married. Now that being said, remember, even if you have only one piece of property, the debt doesn't go away, right? So Ruvain's still chayif to go and make good on the debt to the woman, to his wife later, or ex-wife later on. Or later, Papa Lerav Chama. Vade Damrisa Mishnei Derava, Haiman Damaski Beizuze, Beisle Ara. A person ultimately again, right, who goes ahead and borrows money, and he has property. So we'll say, so now watch this. So Ruvain borrowed $10,000 from Shimon. Now Ruvain has a piece of property. Now the creditor Shimon comes along and says, pay me back my money. So Ruvain says, fine. So Ruvain says, listen, fine, no problem. Here, here's the real estate. You go and sell it and get your money. So we'll say, so what's Talacha? We tell Ruvain, no. You go sell the property, get the proceeds of the sale, and go ahead and give it to Shimon. In other words, the, the, burden, the burden to sell the property is not on Shimon. The burden to sell the property is on you, Ruvain the borrower. So, 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 so ultimately, again, he said, no, that's not what was said. Tell me, what was the story that happened that led you to this conclusion? Oh, so I will say this was a different case. This was the case where Ruvain, right? Ruvain, Ruvain borrowed $10,000 from Shimon. Shimon comes to go ahead and collect money, right? And, and Ruvain claimed that he had no property. I, but Shimon said, but one second, what about that piece of land? And Ruvain said, oh, that, that, that's not mine. That's not mine. He lied. He lied. And he said that the land belonged to his Gentile neighbor. In that case, Ruvain acted inappropriately, therefore we acted inappropriately with him. In other words, it was he acted inappropriately by claiming he had no assets. When it's determined that he does have assets, we put the burden of selling the real estate on him 
getting the cash and giving it to Shimon. But it's possible that in a regular case, in a regular case where Ruben borrows $10,000, Shimon shows up and says, pay me back my money, that Ruben could pay in real estate. And ultimately the obligation to pay, the obligation to sell and convert it to cash would be upon Shimon. Which I will say is an interesting Allah. So it sounds like from what the Gemara is saying over here is that if you, even if you borrow money, where you borrow money, and the lender comes and demands repayment, you can give, you can give an item of value in lieu of money, in lieu of money, in satisfaction of the debt. Now I will say, obviously, this is assuming the parties did not stipulate, right? If let's say, right, if, if Shimon lends Ruvain $10,000 and Shimon says, you have to pay me back $10,000 cash, of course, you have to pay back cash. In the absence of a stipulation, it's possible that Ruben could give an item of value to Shimon, and then the burden of selling that item and converting it to cash rests upon Shimon. Incredible. According to you, who says that the repayment of a debt is a mitzvah. We'll say it's a mitzvah to repay your debts. Amar lo, Amar lo nichalei da'avid mitzvah, my. We'll say this is great. We'll say, right, right, Shimon lends Ruben $10,000. Right now, what happens? So Shimon comes and wants repayment for his money. He says, Ruvain, you know, you have to pay me back, and it's a mitzvah. And what does Ruvain say? The truth is, as a Sarasimin Shuvah, I've been taking a serious accounting of my life. Baruch Hashem, I'm happy to inform you, I have enough mitzvahs. I have enough mitzvahs. I'm good. I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't need this particular mitzvah, but thank you so much for asking. So I say, so what's the halacha? So my, I'm really tanina. So the Gemara says, but mitzvahs, lo sase. When it comes to positive mitzvahs, if a person is not performing a mitzvah like like build like tell him build a sukkah, build a sukkah. That ultimately a person gets malchus, forty malchus. You get malchus. What if you violate navera? Violate navera. Person right does does whatever the avera right. You get malchus. But if a per- let's say we go over to him, we say Ruvain. You haven't built your sukkah yet. You have to build a sukkah for Yom Tiv. Or you haven't purchased a living esrog. Purchase a living esrog. And he refuses to do so. Ultimately, I will say, what? We go ahead and we flog him. I will say, literally means until he dies. Now, that's not going to be literal. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, what you see over here is we compel a person to perform. Even a mitzvah, I say, a positive commandment. And therefore, I will say, in this case over here as well, paying back a debt is a mitzvah, I say, is a positive mitzvah. And therefore, halacha lemaisa, if Reuben comes along and says, no, thank you, I, 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 don't need, I don't need to go ahead and perform. So by the way, I will say, the mitzvah, I say, of paying back a debt, Rashi points out, is, Zdechsev hin tzedek. So I will say, it's actually the, the, the Pasuk talking about having appropriate weights and measures. So in that Pasuk Chazal, learn out that it is a mitzvah to go ahead and repay your debts. So therefore, Allah Chalamaisa, the Gemara says that even if he doesn't want to repay his debt, there's a mitzvah to go out. We, we, we flog him ultimately again until he performs his mitzvah. I will say, so what does it mean? Again, you're going to flog a person until he dies for not taking a little? Of course not. I will say, so again, if you think about those words, it's so beautiful. We compel him, which means until his nefesh, Right until his ruchnius comes out. In other words, every Jew wants to go ahead and perform a mitzvah say. Every single Jew. Some of us know it. Some of us don't yet know it. And sometimes you have to help a person come to their true spiritual consciousness. And sometimes the way we go ahead and we help a person come to their true spiritual consciousness is how? 
through coercion. They both say, by the way, it's the same way, right? The famous case of this is by getting. Right? The man is supposed to, supposed to go out and give his wife a get under certain circumstances. He refuses to do so. What's Talacha? Kofin also ani. We go ahead and we force him until he says, okay, I'm willing to do it. Ah, it's a get Moses, it's a compelled get. No. We assume that people want to do the right thing. Just sometimes they need a little bit of help in getting there. In getting there. Rebel's like, but again, there's here's just so, such a profound lushan. Who doesn't want to perform mitzvah? Like, who doesn't want to perform mitzvah? Who doesn't want to be close to Akadish Baruch Hu? Who doesn't want a relationship? Who doesn't want to be a tzaddik? Some of us act on it, and others of us need a push. I want my nefesh, I want my neshama to come out. But so often it's obscured by so many layers of mundanity. That's what I will say. If you surround yourself with the right people, they'll push you. But at the end of the day, no matter how much others push you, also ultimately, makinis atzmo. I have to push myself. I have to push myself. Until ultimately, again, my nefesh, my neshama, my rochnius rises to the surface. Boy, we need. Right? Barcham and Rav Chista. Harezeh. Gitech. Lotiskashi. Bo'adla. Akrashlo. Shimyo. What's a very interesting case? Man says to his wife, this is your get. But it's only going to be chal after 30 days. After 30 days. Which is fine. Right? And what happens? The Akrashlo. Shimyo. Says, Vahalcha. Vinachto. Vinachto. B'tzidir. Shtarabim. And then what happens? Rabbi Sai. The man puts the get in the sides. Right? In the, on, the, on the sides. In the shoulder of Shtarabim. Mahu. What's Talacha? What's Talacha Bosai? Is the get triggered after 30 days? So I'm going to lay in the She said to him, No, she's not Migrash. So I'm going to the Rabbi Shmuel, the Rabbi Tarvayu, Bohushet Sibornu Munachem Bershus Arabim, Fitzidir Sam Kusarabo. So I remember again, we're going back now, we're going back now, Halacha Lamaisa, to the opinion of Rabbi Tarfan, who said that Halacha Lamaisa, you can go ahead and seize assets after Ruben passes away from his estate, as long as what? Those assets are piled up in, right, if you're a Balchov, you could see some Ruben's estate, as long as they're piled up in the Rishos Sarabim. And I will say, so therefore you see Rishos Sarabim, no one has any claim on it. So therefore, Allah Alamaisa, the Gemara says, the Gemara says that Rishos Sarabim is public domain, obviously. See the Rishos Sarabim has the same din as public domain, and therefore leaving a get in the side of Rishos Sarabim does not allow for effective divorce to occur. Adarab, I can see just the opposite. Migurashas midrav nachmin, the Amrav Nachman, Amrav Baravua, Homer the Chavera, a person says to his friend, Mishoch para zu If a person says to his friend, go ahead and take this para, right? Go ahead and do Mashiach on this para, and it will not become yours until after 30 days. Kana, after 30 days he acquires it, Vafilo Omedes Ba'agam. Even if the cow is somewhere else, my love, Hainu Agam, Hainu Tzidr Shadim. And I will say, Agam literally means a swamp or a marsh. Isn't the swamp or the marsh the same thing ultimately again as the size of a Shusarabim? Lo, Agam Lochud, the Tzidr Shusarabim Lochud. No, not necessarily. The Agam, the swamp, is one thing. Tzidr Shusarabim is a different thing. Ikedan, I will say an alternate version of this. Amalei Migurashas. Others say, we will say in this case, where a husband gives his wife a get, says the get will be chal after 30 days, and he deposits the get on the sides of the Shusarabim. That she's Migurashas after 30 days. Midrav Nachman, because right, what do I'm not going to say? Because Sidir Surabim Ke'agam Dami, because Sidir Surabim is not like Rishisurabim, right? They will say again, the Sidir is like, remember, Sidir Surabim, the sides is where there's not as much pedestrian traffic. So ultimately, again, it's more like an Agam, more like a marsh. So it's public, but not fully public. And therefore, again, she should be Migurashas. 
Adraba, Eino Migurash, as Midrava Shmuel. My love, the Heinrich Srab and the Heinrich Sidish Sarab. Also, don't we say that ultimately, again, Srab is the same thing as Sidish Sarabim? Lo, Rush Sarabim Luchud, the Sidish Sarabim Luchud. And Rabbi also, we'd have to say that what? Rush Sarabim is one thing, Sidish Sarabim is something different. But also, bottom line, by the way, in this case, where a man makes a tonight, there is no problem with making a tonight that a get should be chal at a later date. That's not a problem. The problem in this case is where? Is, is what? The placement of the get in Sidei Rishos Harabim. That's the problem we have, right? So now remember again, a get has to be delivered into the domain of the wife. So the problem is Sidei Rishos Harabim still has a dinner of Rishos Harabim. Therefore, ultimately, again, the garrison will not work after 30 days, right? We'll say, we'll have to, we'll have to stop over here for today. All right, we'll, uh, we'll catch up. We'll catch up in say. After circus for sure, right? By Hanukkah, we are going to be right back on track. Let's say Shkoyach.